0: Welcome to Houston
1: Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
0: Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is Rockets expert, Frank, with Rockets Chop Shop. You can watch his video breakdowns on the Rockets Chop Shop YouTube channel. Always great to see you, Frank. How's it going?
1: Doing well, man. I always get caught off guard when you say Rockets expert, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, are you talking about me or somebody else? <laughs> you
0: know, and we all count as a little bit of a Rockets expert. We have right. fought, fought it for that long. But, hey, they're the eight seed right now as we sit here early Tuesday evening. Uh, we're recording this before Tuesday night's games. The first seven teams kind of bunched within four games at this point. Then there's a drop-off to the next five. We're within a game and a half of each other and battling for the play-in. The Grizz, I took them off their cross-off with Morant's injury. They're not even in that second group. So, Frank, which two teams aren't making the play-in from that group? The Rockets, Lakers, Suns, Warriors, and Jazz. And I guess the Jazz are probably one of your two that aren't making it because you figure at some point they're going to start selling guys off.
1: I think that's a great question. Uh, Yeah, I think the Jazz, we've seen what they did last year. As soon as they were doing good, um, when it was time for the deadline to come, they kind of shaved off a lot of the players that helped them to get to where they were. So I think that's more of the same this year. But I think they have won like 10 of their last 13 games or something like that in the last. So that's going to be an interesting dilemma for them since they do have really good players. I think the real teams that could possibly leapfrog the Rockets would be the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Suns. (sighs) Man, it's going to be tough, bro. And I think it's going to lead into what we're going to talk about uh, later on. I think the Rockets, I said on my last video, this team is viable. And what I mean by that is that they're viable if they push the right buttons, make the right right adjustments, and bring in some depth help. I think they have a good chance of making the play-in and possibly the playoffs. But it's really going to be predicated on that. Now, if I had to pick a team that I'm going to exclude out, I'm going to go with the Warriors. I'm a big Warriors fan. I lo- I know, contrary to a lot of Houstonians, I actually appreciate – the run that they've been on over these years, uh, building it from the ground up. But, man, they have the telltale signs. I don't know if you see this, Robert, of a team that's on his last leg. And there is a point where you have to accept that it's over. And I think for them, they're, they are reaching that point. I don't know. What, what do you think uh, about what the Warriors are looking like this season? Not to go off on the side, side trail here.
0: I just feel like you've got so much invested in Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and, and Andrew Wiggins, those three guys. Yeah. That's a lot of money unless they're willing to trade one of those guys, I'm sure they're willing to trade Wiggins. I don't know if they're willing to trade those other two guys, but unless you're willing to trade those guys and then you're willing to give up some real draft capital to get somebody back to take on those contracts, I mean, I just don't see how you, you get out of this and sort of change the course because there's just too many guys that just are just guys after Seth Curry right now.
1: And, and I totally agree. I think they have some real uh, roster issues, some depth issues, some fit issues. So I don't think this this is the year where they're going to shock everybody and go on some crazy run in the second half. So I'm, I think they probably fall out this year. I think they also have some cultural and some team dynamic things going on. You've seen the reports with Kuminga and talking about Steve Kerr may not be. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, that's not a cohesive unit. So I'm going to think that they're going to fall out. Honestly, think the battle is going to be, be between us, the Lakers, and the Suns. If I had to pick a team to exclude, I may huh. have to let the Lakers go. Well, we, um, we've we already
0: taken the Jazz out. So, we really, that's, you know, we've already got the t- – there's three teams for three spots now if you take out the Warriors. Oh, so
1: you're, you're just taking out – okay. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, I, um, I think if the Jazz, honestly, if they wanted to, they could probably push it. I honestly think the Lakers also have a lot of issues with their team. Now, they just beat the Clippers. But, you know, I think that LeBron, as great as he is, That defense does suffer a lot and I I think AD, he hasn't as great as he is. They just don't have enough depth and talent to really compete. I like the Rockets. I really do, but I I do think that uh, our season could go one of two ways. We could either just kind of do what we're doing, which is win three, lose four, and just keep going like that and end up as a team that's on the outside looking in. I honestly believe Rafael Stone is the key player for this team. If he truly believes that he wants to make the playoffs this year. And we've heard that from stone from Tillman uh, from the coach, then what they do at the deadline is going to really determine that. And for me personally, I think it's almost mandatory that they actually make that push not to go trade in any of the, you know, the key players away, but we have so many useless, I'm not going to call them useless. We have a lot of players that aren't playing. They're just wasted roster spots right now. And for a team that's young, you really want to rely on depth. And to me, the roster is, is construct, constructed not in a way to really support a young, up-and-coming team.
0: Yeah, but, I, you know, unless you're trading for somebody of great significance, the two guys that you're worried about getting hurt and maybe killing your chances are Van Vliet and Shangoon. And I feel like there's a better chance that the Lakers lose Anthony Davis or LeBron James because of their history for a time period that really kills – some of their hopes than it is for the Rockets. So to me, that's really a a big difference. We're going to get to the trade deadline stuff in just a second because I do want to talk to you about that. But I've just got another elimination game for you because we haven't seen the Rockets at 100% in a while. Since then, we've got Amen and Cam who are playing really good rotational minutes or at least decent rotational minutes. And assuming the starting lineup stays the same, Udoka now has six potential bench players. And if I made Frank, you the coach, the head coach, Which one of these two, or which one or two, I should say, of these six guys is out of your rotation? And if you want to make a 10-man rotation, if you want to make a nine-man rotation, however you want to do it, but you've got Tari, Cam, Amen, Uncle Jeff, Jay Sean, and Aaron Holiday. Which guy or guys is
1: out for your rotation? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, That is uh, incredibly tough, and honestly – I think the furthest we'll go is 10-man rotation. So we're assuming the starting five is what it is. So that leaves us with the names. That's uh, six names you gave us. One person has to be cut out of this uh, for me because I'm going to go through, I think, a man and Cam together. You've seen some of the synergy they have together. You see what Cam Whitmore provides. Uh, one of, I think, I I don't know where I saw the stat somewhere, that he's number six in the NBA in, uh, points per minute. Um, he's instant offense, even though like he does have a lot of boneheaded plays. But to me, if you had started playing him at the start of the season by now, those would have been mitigated. So I think these are just like, he's a, basically this is his rookie, the start of his rookie year started a few games ago. So I, I can live with bad rotations and things like that. Um, a man Thompson, to me, he's in a lineup. Uh, he provides defense. I know the shooting isn't great. His ball handling, he has a lot of deficiencies right now in his game, but prior to his injury, he was already carving out a niche as that kind of a wing defender. And he I think he's a pretty good defender for a young guy. And I think that's going to keep you on the court. And he pushes pace, which I appreciate on those second units. There were some lineups with him when Tate and Tari and some of those guys were out there that are really intriguing. And I think him and Jalen uh, play fairly well together. So those two young guys, I want them. And also, you also want to develop because we're not good enough to the point where you ignore development, like the Golden State Warriors, uh, as we spoke on. We actually want to see some of these guys get reps because we're, we're going to need them, and we have some decisions to make. So I think they're going to stay. Tari Eason, obviously, like Tari is one of our best players. There's some arguments he could, he should start uh, between Holiday, Jayshon Tate, and, and Jeff Green. I'm not a big fan of Aaron Holiday and Jayshon Tate. I'm just going to be transparent with with your audience. Yeah, Aaron Holiday to me is one of the more frustrating players to watch, but I, I understand what he brings. I think if he is toned down to be a Off-ball shooter, a catch-and-shoot player that gets some on-ball reps. He is actually one of our better shooters, and he does impact the game. The defense has slipped a little bit. I just don't like his shot selection. I think he plays a role that we don't need. We don't need him to be James Harden. I think that's what he thinks he's in his head. And then Jeff Green. I mean, Jeff Green is played out of his mind. I don't like that he has to play this many minutes, but he is a positive when he's on the court. So that leaves one Jayshon Tate. Robert, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm about had my quota for Jay Tate for this season already. The dude is small. He's uh, undersized at pretty much every matchup. He's slow. He's bad at getting around screens. He can't shoot. Not a great rebounder. Aside from the occasional post-ups and the once in a blue moon three-pointer from the corner he hits, I really don't see any value except for maybe some things he does as far as culture in the locker room that he brings. And he could do that from the bench. The defense has slipped a lot. Like, he gets beat by guards. He gets beat by wings. When he gets posted up, he's too small. Guys shoot over him. He's getting – guys are dribbling dribbling past him. He offers spacing issues with the starting lineup when you put him in there with Shane Goon and Jalen Green and Jabari on some nights. I just think that if I had to cut a guy out the rotation, it would have to be Tate. And honestly, to me, I'm trying to get him out at the deadline because I think he's worn out his uh, his talent here in Houston.
0: Absolutely. I agree with everything you said 100%. I was a skeptic prior to this. I felt like he was the most overrated uh, player from Rockets fans in, in a lot of ways, except for a guy that maybe we're going to mention here in a little bit, but I just felt like he's very overrated as a player, and I agree with you. Defensively, very overrated. I just, you know, he's 30 years old almost, and he's still committing the same <laughs> dumb, dumb fouls that he that he was committing. You know, should should have got out of his system about five years ago even an in international play that should have been gone, but he's been doing it since he came to Houston and he just can't seem to get rid of that stuff. So yeah, I'm out on J- Jay Sean and, you know, Aaron holiday. I-, I see what you're saying about Aaron holiday. His floater needs to be thrown in the trash can and, yeah. and just flush down the toilet or whatever. But he's one of those guys that if he's got a, one of those nights where he's on, you know, I'm just like, leave him out there. If he's off, he plays his few minutes in the first half. And then maybe as long as you've got Ahmed and cam available, You know, those guys take care of things. Any bench minutes in the second half. And let's get to Cam because everybody, I'm sure, is dying to talk about him. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, is Cam Whitmore a more talented version of Jalen Green? And given rotation reps over the next couple of months, could he be better
1: than Jalen by April? Man, that's that's a hard question because it's really hard to assess Cam because we have such a small sample size. I mean, there were stretches – in Jalen's uh, rookie year where he looked like uh, one of the uh, future best scorers in the NBA. Obviously, I think one advantage Cam has that Jalen probably will never have is the physical stature. And I, I, that goes a long way in the NBA. You look at guys like Anthony Edwards and the immediate impact he has as a scorer, as a two-guard in the league, a lot of it is not really just his skill, but it, it's also his frame. That big frame and the, the leaping ability, the athleticism, uh, it does allow you to get away with a lot more lack of stil- skill stuff than, than a Jalen Green. And I think what Jalen suffers from is that not only is he undersized, his skill set isn't as as uh, diverse as you want it for a guy that's, that's slight of frame. You think of slight of frame guards, you're thinking of Tyrese Maxey, you're thinking of Steph Curry, young Steph Curry when he came to the league. You're thinking of some of these smaller guys that, because they're smaller, they had to craft other aspects of their game to really make up for that size issue. And I'm not sure what Jalen Green's development path was, but that was something that he really missed in that and his ascension to the NBA. So as far as Cam, could he be more talented? Of course. Um, I think they're very similar. And uh, as far as their games, I think Cam probably is a better shooter right now than Jalen is, which is a very low bar. I think Cam is a better finisher than Jalen Green right now as yes. a 19 year old. Yes, I think yes, Cam yes. is if you give him enough reps in a season, I think he can catch up to Jalen Green defensively um, because Cam, I think really the difference between them is experience. Yes. Um, so so if you ask me, if I give Cam Whitmore a year of experience, can he catch up to Jalen Green? Yeah, that's a very strong possibility because when it comes to physical stature, he's already ahead of him. I think skill-wise they're almost even. Jalen just has reps and that's the difference between him and Cam Whitmore right now is is reps. I would love to say that, no, I can't see it, Jalen just, but, I mean, he doesn't really leave us a lot to see from there. I would say Jalen's a better passer than Cam right now, and I I would say that Jalen is uh, probably better on some aspects of defense, screen navigation, and and things like that. But when it comes to overall game, I'm going to give Jalen the edge right now just because he plays a bigger role, and we get to see a lot more of him rather than 10 minutes where you just uh, bring him off the bench. But as time goes on, like you said, by April, I think that's in play where Cam Whitmore is performing better uh, than Jalen Green.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I agreed with everything you said, and I mean, just you know, as far as offensive skills, you just we've been waiting for Jalen to add something in his game over three years. And just to give you an example, you know, we saw Cam the other night throw a three sixty spin move on a on a defensive yeah. player. I mean, where has that been from Jalen? Cam is a light years better at finishing around the basket. not just a little bit, he's light years better at finishing around the basket than Jalen. I mean, him getting rid of stuff that the dumb stuff and like, you know, I heard Udoke on the post game show the other night where he was talking about the game in Miami and you know Cam went into Kevin love not thinking okay, that guy's one of the best charge takers in the league when it would have just been a simple you know, maybe Eurostep or something like that to get around him, just to get all those bugs out of his system. And if he's a quick learner, and if he's going to be a great player, we're going to see that as the minutes increase. Don't you think, Frank? I mean, pretty quickly. That that
1: is exactly, I made a tweet saying that um, this is uh, something I'd uh, heard from Daryl Morey. Basically, what you do is if you look at a player who in small frequency is very efficient, and as you scale them up in their frequency and their efficiency stays, then that's the markings of a star, right? As you give them a bigger role, they maintain. Shangun had a little bit of that. You see when Shangun was in, he was an efficiency darling. The All the analytics popped off the charts. And then even when he would get stretches where they used them more, that stuff stayed the same. He just accounted more uh, winning stats. And I want to see that from Cam Whitmore to see maybe an injury occurs where he gets an extended role. Does that points per minute uphold when he's getting 20, 30 minutes in a game? Uh, Does that defense improve? If it does, then um, this discussion is going to be very moot in about a season because what he does provide for the Rockets is a Jalen Green insurance and leverage for Jalen's contract you're going into next summer where, you know, like if they said that, hey, Jalen, you know what, test the free agency market. They have a guy that's waiting in the wings that's on a rookie-scale salary that they would probably feel comfortable saying, okay, you know, we don't want to pay him that or if Jalen's mad or whatever about not getting a big contract. They'll just let him just go. Um, Hopefully we, we get a world where both of them are good and we can have the uh, the good problem of having too much talent. But I, I think Whitmore, uh, he's shown a lot. But as you know, with these young guys, you just got to give it time because, you know, there's a lot of rookies that show good and you give them more, more uh, roles and they kind of fall off. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Get in the comments. We want to hear from you guys about it. I, I know you know, I'm I'm somebody that's been critical, very critical of Jalen for a long time, and I know people don't like me because of that. And people are, you know, hate on me because you know I, I have something personal against. It's not personal against Jalen. It's just kind of where I think he is right now. And just for what it's worth, you know, you were talking about it, Frank. His, his per thirty six, and they, you know, they they're, they're starting to call him per thirty six. The the broadcasters are twenty seven points, eight rebounds, two point four steals which is like something you'll never see from Jalen, uh, 43% from three, 54% from the field, given a lot of that has been in 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 uh, trash time, but it's starting to show up the same when he's given real minutes too. And I'm pretty confident Cam's a much better prospect than Jalen, perhaps better now, period. I mean, I, I that's, right, yeah. you know, and, and, and I know – some of the things, some of his downfalls, as far as Frank said, I agree with, but I think that stuff gets out. That's the bugs in the system that gets out, you would hope, in the first month or two if, if he's as good as everybody thinks he can be. And I've gone from 90% out on Jalen as an all-star to 100% out. And, but I'll stop right there because, Frank, I do want to tr- talk a little trade deadline with you because it's only a month away. We're, we're less than a month away right now. Which position is your highest priority and is there a number two priority for you
1: right now? The positions as the highest priority, it it used to be, I think we talked about this before getting a backup center um, for those non shangoon minutes. And I still think that's a very high priority. The way I'm going to look at it is one a and one B. I think right now, in my opinion, the Rockets need to get a, um, some shooting on, on the team. We are, especially on our second units, on nights where you're playing, especially against offensively geared teams, teams that have other shooters, it's really hard to win games in the NBA strictly off a of scrappy defense. So offensively, we we have a lot that we like. I think we're still in the bottom third of the league as an offensive team. I think our defense is good enough to get stops in key moments, especially in stretches in a game. But over over these uh, these games that we struggle in, a lot of times is where the offensive team that we're facing it has it going, we cannot answer. Our starting five when they're healthy, they're a decent offense. Middle of the pack, uh, uh you know, above average defense. The bench units, it's really hit or miss with the shooting, because you think about the guys on the bench, Tate, Tari Eason, Amen Thompson, Jeff Green, Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday is is a good shooter, but you know, he's not gonna light up the world. And the rest of the guys other than that, I know if you look at them statistically, they're average, but there's a, a market difference between a guy like, let's say, Jeff Green hitting 36% from three or somebody like Duncan Robinson hitting 36% from three. There's differences there because the attention the defense gives. Jeff Green is shooting a lot of open shots off of late contests because a lot of guys are clogging the paint. I want a guy that's going to draw players out of the paint. So, Amen and Cam and even shang on certain lineups could get more uh, space to operate in. As much as we um, rave about what Alperin shang can do, he is playing in a very tight phone booth right now with the amount of attention he's garnering in the paint. And a prime example of that was the Miami game yesterday. Sure, Teams are not being punished for literally putting five people in the paint and just daring our guys to shoot. I just want one player on the roster that you have to respect. And I think when I think of names, um, I, one name that I'm going to give you, Robert, is uh, Bogdanovich from uh, from Atlanta. I think uh, he, he is a, a good player that would offer some that. He can shoot off the dribble, can shoot off movement. Um, he can put the ball and dribble, come off the of screens. I think we need that level of shot creation and ball uh, movement shooting on, on the roster uh, right now. And I think, you know, if you look at his salary, he makes $18 million. Uh You combine Oladipo and a guy like Sean Tate, and that should be something that, you'd be able to make it It'll probably cost us maybe uh, some seconds or something like that. Maybe two or three seconds uh, to get them. Uh, but... See,
0: that's where I just, just I, I, Bogdanovich is a, he's a darn good player. And he's, you look at the plus minus on the, on the Hawks. He, he's at the top of the list. If I remember correctly. And, and he's, he, that's such a good, good player. I don't know how they, Give them off the second, Get them off, get them off for, of them? For second round picks. I just don't think think second round picks are, are just well,
1: enough to do it. I, well, you know, last year's trade deadline, I think that was the year where a bunch of starting level 3 and D wings were going for second round picks. James Wiseman, I think it was five seconds that was able to get him, and he was a number two overall pick. I think with the, um, especially for some of these teams that are trying to contend, with the new CBA, and I, we discussed this, the value of having a later pick when your salary gets real tight nowadays, especially for contenders, maybe not for the Oklahoma cities or for the Houston's right now, but if you're an Atlanta team with a coach that wants to win, players that want to win, you want to find guys in that, in those early second round, late first round area, because you're not going to be able to get a $12 million kid to come in and sit behind Trey Young. So I think getting those, in my opinion, are still valuable. And I mean, Bogdanovich, he's good and I like him, but I don't think he's better than some of the players that we saw get moved around last season for seconds. So I still think there's a market for seconds, especially for, for uh prospective contenders. That's just my opinion. I kind of feel like there's
0: a lot of teams right now. There's so many teams that feel like they're in it and they have a shot that are veteran teams and, and they feel like their their window is not that big. And you know, Bogdanovich is not an expiring contract. So spending a first on him makes sense for those teams because it's not like it's a rental either like a team like the Lakers, we just talked about him. I mean, that team's that's desperate true. for, you know, somebody to help out the other guys offensively. They've got issues and, you know, Reeves is just, you know, he, he's he been good, but just not good enough as a third scorer for them consistently. I, I just feel like they, they could use a fourth guy even for that matter. And, and there's not, it's not just them. There's definitely other teams out there that could use a Bogdanovich. And it's weird because, you know, this first round pick, that's another thing about it, Frank. This first round pick is, it's tough it's a tough thing for for Houston because it's a it's a poor draft. I mean, let's not forget. This is a bad draft that the Rockets have a first round pick in. Now the Nets, if you look at the Nets, they're going to be like 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. So there's about a 20% chance that you're going to land in the top 4, but it's a it's a top 4 that nobody's that confident in, but you could put it on a top 3 protection or something like that to that first round pick. And if if you're getting a 9 or 10 in this draft, that might be the equivalent of a late first rounder in another draft. So giving up a late first rounder for a Bogdanovich, just, it doesn't seem like that much of a big deal. And, I mean, you could also maybe combine, you know, get Capella and Bogdanovich, and it would be, I don't think you could quite match the salaries, but if you could find a team where you can can combine two players, and I, I think I mentioned to you in a message, like, for instance, Daniel Gafford and Tyus Jones, you know, somebody that can take some pressure off of Fred Van Vliet, if you combine something like that and give up a first round pick, maybe it's worth it in a draft that nobody's all that fond of.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Capella part because you kill two birds with one stone. I think we can match the salaries. It, it would just require probably Jeff Green to be included, which, you know.
0: Well, now it's like, I mean, Capella makes. 28 $20 million, right? Capella makes over 20. 20. And doesn't, what does Bogdanovich makes? He makes
1: 18. about 20. So yep, it's 18. So 18. So 28, 30 million. That's 40. Um, you, yeah, yeah, 40. yeah, 38 million. So yeah, I think the most we can get up to is like 33 with the guys we currently have. The other player, I guess, is would kind of address the the backup center uh, position I would love for the Rockets to get is Kelly O'Linick. He also addresses the spacing issue to me uh, and fits a position of need in the backup five rotation. You can put him at the four. You can start him next to Shangoon. He can play a uh, five for you if Shangoon ever goes down. I think that's a player, but What I'm worried about with Kelly O is that a lot of contenders as well are going to be asking about him. Now, if you look at his contract, uh, I actually think he's an expiring contract uh, this season, only makes $12 So that could be just a straight up Tate type of move, a one for one. And you still have the ability to go get other players that can help you um, try to go forward. Now, I don't know what Danny Ainge, because he's a pretty, you know, Danny Ainge is a a pirate when it comes to, uh, you know, making teams give up uh, assets for things. I'm not sure what his asking price is, but I honestly think that um, if if you just want to get a one year rental, I think that's a guy that second round picks should be able to do. Maybe Tate and uh, one of our three million in Boban or somebody like that to go out there in some seconds for uh, for Kelly O. And
0: don't forget Tate, maybe a value to to another somebody, team, so true, he, true. so he true. could pick up. He could you could do it into a three way. They could add a second round pick to, for some from some other team that might. Just want him as a back of the rotation guy, Um, but I definitely agree with you. Olenek and Capella are guys that I think you can do second round picks at this point. I think they waited too long on Capella, so you know maybe they were asking too much this summer. The Rockets weren't interested. Now the problem with Capella is you got him for next year. He's under contract. It's a it's twenty-something million dollars. Could you get out of it if you had to? Could you use him in a combo trade perhaps? so maybe you wouldn't be that tied down to him. But right now, he's a guy that's slipping a little bit, and, and that's good enough for a backup, maybe not good enough as a starter for them or somebody that they see moving forward. Uh, Daniel Gafford, I think, is going to take more than a second because he's under contract for three years, and it's a good contract. The guy with the Wizards is another guy I'll throw out there. And also, I don't know if you be, would be interested in him, but Andre Drummond, I would assume,
1: would be pretty cheap with the Bulls. Yeah, that'd be a, a minimum guy. Um, I think uh, Drummond, I think that would be on my bottom list. I love Gafford. I think Gafford, as far as ac- archetype-wise, would be another version of a center that I would love, somebody that can give us a different look, rim protection, a little bit of a pick-and-roll threat on the lob that we don't have on the team right now. To your point about Tate's value in the open market, Tate also is a um, – he a, he's a good contract, honestly. He has $7 million dollars next year, and uh, it's, it's, team, it's the team option. So whoever you trade him to, you could use that as leverage to say, hey, this is a guy that can help your rotation. He can play in spot minutes, and it's really no cost to your cap sheet because he's an expiring next year. And if you want to just, you know, if, he, if you like him, just keep him. If you want to trade him, that's a $7 million salary that you could use for future trades if you want to pivot out of a situation you're currently in. So I think for teams like, you know, I, I was going to – like the Lakers, not the Lakers, because they have enough non-shooters, but those contenders that are kind of tight with their salaries, a player like Tate is valuable. Not only can he play, but he doesn't really hurt you in the long term.
0: Good locker room guy, too, as well. And also, you know, I'm just curious. You know, I mentioned the first-round pick. I I know everybody just looks at first-round picks as, like, gold or whatever when they're in the lottery like this. But, again, just want to remind everybody, it's not the best – you know, not the best draft. The Rockets have got a ton of positions taken for the next few years with all these young guys in the rotation, along with Dylan Brooks is going to be back next year, and Fred Van Vliet, you assume they want to keep those guys. So is there a guy out there, Frank, that you would be willing to give up that first-round pick for? Is there somebody that you would Mm -hmm. be willing to give up that first-round pick for that maybe has
1: been mentioned in trade talks? Not right now. I'm not even going to lie to you. And I, I have thought about that. Um, I don't think we we have enough data as a team to make that decision. I would love, that's why it's important for me to see what if we can make a play in our playoffs. I think after this full season, going into next season, technically Fred is going to be an expiring next year because his third year is a team option. They might bring him back uh, if if they want to, depending on, I think that's going to be relying on a man Thompson, but if you want to make moves, it's not now. It's going to be next summer when you want to make a decision about Jalen Green, whether you want to pay him or not. So I think it'd be a bit premature to spend picks to bring in a player, unless it's Mikael Bridges, because that guy's contract is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> he makes $20 million over the next, like, 15 years. He's one of the best 3 and D wings. I don't know. People were bashing Mikael Bridges earlier uh, last week. Don't get it twisted. Just because he's being asked to be an engine for a team that doesn't have one doesn't mean he's not still if slotted as a, just a wing that guards and shoots threes, he's one of the best in the league at it. Unless it's Mikael Bridges and we're doing uh, business with the, uh, with the Nets, um, I don't think we're ready to make that decision right now. I think that's something you wait after this summer and see where you guys are at. What does Jalen look like? I think next trade deadline, Robert, that's going to be big for us. Next trade deadline, that's where you kind of get into really hard, hard decisions.
0: Yeah, Mikhail Bridges is, is going to cost you a lot more. than uh, Yeah, I mean, you're
1: going to have to uh, unload the clip there to get him, but yeah, I would yeah. do it. I, I actually think he fits our team.
0: Yeah, he's a great value contract. Like you said, that's the biggest thing with him is just he's he. you got him hooked up, at least I think for the next three years or something yep. like that. Uh, before we take off, what's the latest on the chop shop? What do you got over there?
1: Just did a video on looking at, you know, one of the the games that we had against the Milwaukee Bucks and just reflected on that. One thing, like I said, I just want to emphasize this. Rafael Stone, he's on the clock, not for his job, but we're waiting to see what he can do as a general manager. We saw what he did with the 60 plus million dollars. I don't know if if you gave them truth serum. Would they say that this is what they envision using all that having one of the largest cap spaces, uh, having the largest cap space? Uh, is this what they envisioned the team construction would look like? I don't think so. I think they had to pivot to a lot of things and overstretch themselves to accommodate some of the players that they wanted to get. He needs to put together a real roster. The fact that Shangun is this good this early is accelerated what we need to see from him. He needs to start, and it starts with this deadline right now. What can you do to build a real team that complements each other that can compete? Because Coach Adoka is ready. Some of these players are ready. It's on him now. We just got to see it. So I, I hope he makes the right decisions because. I don't think they can punt this season.
0: And I also have to throw out there before we close out: Juwari Smith made his best decision, made his best statement. I think maybe as a Rocket this week when he said he's a Texan fan now. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that that was that was the right one, Frank.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, the, <laughs> after his Hawks were uh, embarrassed, <laughs> but I guess. Well, it's okay. It's better to crawl in late than never, but it's okay.
0: All right, man. Good to talk to you. We'll we'll talk again soon. All right, brother. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.